Hi everyone, welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Today we're going to talk to Lori Weisberg about short-term rentals in the city of San Diego. And we're also going to talk to Andrew Kleski about how readers are reacting to this news as well as school openings. But first, the news. This Saturday, San Diego County will begin offering COVID-19 vaccines to police officers, teachers, farm workers, and many others. All in all, 500,000 San Diegans who fall under broader categories of emergency services will be eligible for shots. Vaccinations for some of these groups will be handled separately from the rest of the region's rollout. For example, vaccines for K-12 teachers and staff will be organized by the San Diego County Office of Education and an Employee Benefits Association. Assistant Sheriff Kelly Martinez will make history this Friday when she becomes the first woman to serve as undersheriff in San Diego County. She'll be second in command after Sheriff Bill Gore. Martinez is a 36-year veteran of the San Diego County Sheriff's Department. She joined in 1985 and became one of the first female deputies assigned to a men's jail a year later. San Diego County plans to revamp its juvenile probation system, Supervisors said at a hearing Tuesday morning, the goal is to reduce the number of incarcerated youth and provide them with more educational and social support. The county is planning a new juvenile justice campus to replace current facilities which were built in the 1950s, and officials are also hiring a new chief probation officer with expertise in working with adolescents. Short-term rental regulations have come a long way in San Diego. After years of trying to regulate Airbnb-style rentals, the San Diego City Council Tuesday endorsed a proposal that could reduce them by as much as 30%. Council President Jennifer Campbell proposed the new regulations, but they still need a second vote of the council before becoming law. Lori Weisberg covers tourism and hospitality at the UT. She joins us now. Okay, Lori, give me an overview of the new rules. Okay, well, it's a pretty broad, at times complex um, ordinance, but basically the effort here is to put some kind of numerical cap on the volume of short-term rentals, which for years you have proliferated. And there's no, there's no actual rules or laws in the city's municipal code that even govern short-term rentals. So at, at the very basics, it, it defines what a short-term rental is and which are short-term stays of less than 30 days a month. But what I think most people are fixed upon in this new regulation is that there would be a numerical cap every year on the number of short-term rentals. And, but the number, it's a very specific category, short-term rentals. It's those rentals where you're uh, renting out your entire home where you don't have to necessarily be present for more than 20 days a year. So the more active whole home rentals, those are the ones where there would be a cap on how many licenses can be issued. And that cap is the equivalent to 1% of the city's entire housing stock. That entire housing stock is 540,000. So 1% is 5,400. But there's an exception for Mission Beach, which is probably everybody knows his long history of short-term vacation rentals. So they get a more generous allowance. There, it's the, um, the cap is set at 30% of the number of units in Mission Beach. And that comes to about, right now, they think 1,100. So it's 5,400 plus 1,100. Um, so you get an idea of about 6,500 of these kinds of listings per year. Those people that are renting out their home while they're not present for less than 20 days a year, they, they don't, there's no cap. 
And then those who are renting out just a spare bedroom, no, no cap on that either. Do those people still need a permit? And yes, so they do still need a permit. Everybody, so that's one thing is that this is finally going by regulating it and at requiring permits, you have an idea of how many people actually are legally um, hosting short-term vacation renters. And then um, they have to pay um, the transient occupancy tax. It's kind of like the room tax that hotels visitors pay. Um, and they have to follow all the kinds of regulations for having local contacts. If there's any problems, they have to obey you know, public nuisance laws. So this gets a real handle on who actually is renting out, renting out their homes. And it also, as I said, limits the number of these so that they don't pro proliferate out of control. So Joe LaCava was the only council member to vote against this. What did he have to say? Joe LaCava, before he was even recently elected to the council, has always maintained that, um, as some others have, that in our municipal code, short-term rentals are illegal and should remain so, uh, that they should not be legalized. But he recognized the handwriting on the wall that this was gonna get approved. So he offered up some amendments that he thought would strengthen it. None of those amendments were accepted. Among them were um, that there has to be a limit on how many years you get your, once you get your license through this lottery system, which I neglected to mention, there's gonna be a lottery system, um, that it should be no more than six years. Um, that wasn't accepted. He also said there should be an affordable housing fee that should be tacked on. That wasn't accepted either. Um, so he also wanted more accountability for the platforms themselves like Airbnb and VRBO that they have to be more answerable to the, to the city. Um, that didn't go through either. So that's so because he he didn't get, you know, some of his suggestions for strengthening what was already an appealing ordinance to him, he he voted against it. So there are a lot of people behind this. Again, this represents a compromise between, you know, most city council members, the the hosting platforms themselves like Airbnb and VRBO, and also the unions. But I mean, who else is unhappy with this plan? Um, so the people there, there is a group of there is a group of people who, like Joe Lacava, believe they should be um, not legal. That they should. This is an intrusion. This is under single family neighborhoods. These are like mini hotels. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be there at all. The, um, those people are unhappy. I think there are others who thought there should be more accountability from the platforms. They're not. They're not happy right now um, with uh, what they see as an omission in that area. Um, also, a lot of the the short-term renters, um, including the, including some of the uh, management companies, believe that there should be um, the lottery system should be changed. That it shouldn't be. Um, if you're randomly selected, you get it. They think that some priority should be given to maybe longer-term um, short-term rental hosts those who have never had any problems or complaints with their rentals, they have been paying their um, room taxes steadily all throughout, that they should get some kind of priority. The council, um, they didn't decide the issue then and there, but they agreed to um, come back around October and come up with a plan that maybe could accomplish that. So that's, um, that's something that's still to be determined. And another thing that they never intended to um, deal with yesterday, but they're they're going to later in the years. This is gonna require a whole new system for um, software system. It's gonna require more people to um, administer this program. And, and it's also gonna require fees. And the question is how much will you have to pay to get a license? 
because it's a what they call a cost recoverable program that everything, all the costs are borne out by the revenue that comes in. It could be some pretty steep fees for those short-term rental hosts with, you know, that are more active the more than 20 days of the year. Um, it could be $900. Uh, it could be a thousand dollars for, you know, a fee. Whereas if you're just renting out a room, it could be as little as $50. So that whole fee structure that's coming back later this year. So there's still a lot of odds and ends that need to be um, worked out. And this won't go into effect until July of 2022, recognizing that there's still a lot of work to be done on this. I guess it's still up in the air because they are deciding on fees. But I mean, are there any cost projections or projections for the revenue the city will bring in based on these short-term rentals? Well, they they um, they don't have a projection for the revenue, but on the cost side, they did say this. They hadn't said this at all until yesterday. They think that the initial startup one-time costs will be 1.7 million, and then an additional uh, 2.4 million. Presumably, that would be an annual cost for operating this program. So the idea is to kind of work backwards and then figure out how many, um, uh, how 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 large the fee needs to be to bring enough revenue to do that. Um, also, I think they want to hire some more code and code enforcement officers. There's been a big complaint that over the years people feel like um, they get no action when they call the police or they call the city. There's you know there's a party going on. There's loud noise. Um, this this ordinance at least promises to fix that, but we'll see. I think there's a lot of people who are cynical that um, you're still gonna have a lot of those problems and nobody's gonna come and respond to my complaint when I call at two in the morning. Yeah, I wanted to ask about enforcement. I mean, obviously it's an issue currently, it's not even supposed to be allowed, but there are you know, Airbnbs operating. So what will change? They're gonna hire more people. Is anything else being done? So, um, so the city has never chosen this idea that they're technically illegal because they're not in the municipal code. The city has chosen not to enforce that. Um, the, the biggest enforcement you've seen up until now is the city attorney uh, filing charges against the worst violators. Like there's a really big party house in La Jolla that was shut down. Um, what, what they say is that there will be a 24 seven hotline number you can call and that they will have the staffing to address this. Again, I think there's a lot of cynicism out there that yeah, we've heard this before. Um, so we'll, I think, uh, not to be cliche, that'll be cliche, the proof is in the pudding, we'll see. We'll see if that's, um, <laughs> that's really going, going to happen. Um, so you can see there's still a lot to be worked out, but um, as someone who's covered this for the last six years, um, this was a milestone moment because I've covered multiple, multiple hours long hearings and they usually end up in an impasse or the most recent one a couple years ago, they did pass much stricter regulations and Airbnb and Expedia, which owns HomeAway and VRBO, mounted a referendum drive. They got enough votes and they killed those regulations. So um, this, this finally, San Diego is one of the last big cities to um, finally have some kind of regulations in place. Yeah, this seems like a huge development. Do you see anything that could possibly stand in its way? Or do you think this is sort of smooth sailing from here on out? Yeah, I'd like, you know, it, 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 everything has been so, um, taken so many twists and turns, it's hard to be that definitive. But I, I think it's, um, I don't know if smooth sailing is the right word, but I think um, I think it's going to go forward. They, they do have to go to the California Coastal Commission for that part of the ordinance that reflects represents our coastal communities. But I think the California Coastal Commission wants to see more access to short-term rentals. And I don't think this unduly prohibits that. So I, I think that should 
um, get the blessing of the Coastal Commission. I think that I think there's still the possibility of litigation. This group called Save San Diego Neighborhoods, they hired an attorney um, that sent a letter to the city saying that there were inconsistencies and that they don't think it should go through. Whether they decide to um, pursue litigation, I, I, I don't know. So I think those are some of the unknowns. Could 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 the city be sued over this? That could be one one hurdle if that were to happen. And when will this come before the Coastal Commission? So the, um, the chief of staff for Jennifer Campbell's uh, office and uh, the council president Jennifer Campbell's the one that uh, forged this compromise. Um, they're expecting it maybe like around June. They think is possible. Okay. Lori Weisberg, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Now let's turn to opinion. Andrew Kleski is a reader outreach editor, and he keeps tabs on what the community is talking about. Hi, Andrew. Hello again. What are readers talking about this week? Well, readers are always talking about a lot of everything. So this week... (laughs) Uh, it's nice to see we're talking about a lot of local issues again. During the campaign, the, the letters were very much dominated by national politics. And now that uh, the Biden administration is more or less settled in, they're, uh, they're spending a lot more time on local issues. Though the, the confirmations of, uh, of Biden's uh, nominees is uh, getting a lot of attention as well. So people are still keeping an eye on the federal government. I just talked to Lori Weisberg about her reporting on Airbnb and the, the city's new regulations. Has have readers weighed in about that? Readers have weighed in. Uh, it's it's a very complicated issue, and uh, I think that maybe one of the things that uh, makes it challenging for the letter writers is even though we've come to these new uh, decisions about how things are going to be handled, there's still a lot to 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 be figured out about how it will really work in the long run. So it's actually making fact-checking a little challenging right now because I'm not absolutely sure how things are supposed to work. It's a pretty complicated issue. Uh, You know, the the argument is that this will limit the number of Airbnb-style short-term vacation rentals in the city. But if you read the ordinance, it's quite possible that there could be just as many, depending on how people get their licenses and what tier they're in. So it it remains to be seen how this will all play out in the long run. Yeah, definitely some questions to answer. Um, This proposal was headed by City Council President Jennifer Campbell. Have you been hearing anything about her recall? Oh, certainly. We've actually gotten quite a few letters uh, from the recall side. They're, They're a very active group and they're very upset. They feel that Dr. Campbell, uh, in a way, misrepresented herself in terms of what her interests were and what it was she was going to do in the city council position once elected. Uh, The recall people think that she uh, presented herself uh, as someone who uh, would do things differently than she has, obviously. So there's uh, quite an effort afoot. There's apparently going to be a signature gathering this weekend. And uh, they've sent us letters saying, you know, come on down and meet everybody and go out and get some signatures for us. And I know that the school reopening plans just came out today, but I mean, have you heard anything? Are parents happy with this 
April 12th reopening date? Well, again, another confusing issue, whether the uh, hurdles that need to be uh, overcome uh, actually will be overcome in the time between now and then. Uh, the overwhelming uh, number of letters we're getting about school opening right now is we need these schools open. In the beginning, it wasn't quite that way. I think even the parents were more on board with having the schools closed because of uh, the uncertainty of you know, COVID-19 and how bad it was and how, how easily spread it was and whether children could spread it and whether people at the school could get it from the kids and vice versa. But as time has worn on, I think the needle has slowly, slowly, slowly pushed over to the side where parents uh, have just come to the conclusion they've got to get their kids back in school or life is never going to get back to normal. And so the most recent plan has some pretty high hurdles to reach. And I think that's, that's a letter I'm probably going to be running tomorrow is one of our letter writers saying, I think we need to take a more serious look at the tiering system that we have for, uh, you know, there's the purple tier and the red tier and all that. They, they think we ought to take a, a more realistic look at those tiers and determine if the tiers that were put in place, you know, eight or nine months ago are still the tiers that should be in place now. Uh, we've got a much better handle on what this disease does and where it comes from and how it spreads. And we've got vaccines coming out. We've got People getting vaccinated, particularly the most at-risk people, are getting vaccinated. So, uh, again, just another call for taking a harder look at where we are and whether we're making the right decisions with the data that we have. Yeah, I've seen some skepticism out there about whether or not we can meet that date. So, yet to be seen. Is there anything else um, happening this week you'd like to mention? Well, we're, we'll be running our uh, part two of our Where Does the GOP Go From Now? Your Say on Saturday, and we'll have another Your Say question in there. So hopefully people will take a look at that and see what next week's essay question will be and maybe submit an essay. Okay, sounds good. I will mention that in the podcast when we have the question ready. Thanks, Andrew. Bye-bye. You can find all of these stories online at SanDiegoUnionTribune.com, and you can also find us on social media, including Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Christy Totten. Thanks for listening. <laughs>